Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Sunday, 11th of June, 2017. It's uh, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And uh, let's see here. Um, I might as well just announce this now to the people online because we were uh, talking in Revelation Plagues not too long ago about the, the real drought that we've had in Florida and uh, the, the trials that we've had here because of that. I mean, empty, empty lakes all over the place. And so we prayed and uh, other people have been praying and you need to be careful when you pray because when you ask for rain, we have gotten so much rain in the past week. I, I, I'm astonished at how much. Every, the drought is long gone, and now we need to pray for maybe the rain to stop. Uh, we're supposed to get more this afternoon, and it's coming off of the Gulf. It's a tropical system that's just been hanging around, and uh, we're very thankful to the Lord for that. We're very thankful. As a matter of fact, we prayed for rain. Let's pray for thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have relieved the drought in Florida and not only relieved it, but given us abundance. And uh, surely all the rivers are full and the, uh, the lakes are overflowing, and we just thank you so much. And uh, just that's all we can do is to give you the thanks for what you have done when we were in such a, a need, and it's so undeserving. We're just we're a, a people that have gone astray from you, and uh, that includes the people in Florida, and yet you were so gracious to us. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, yeah, more rain this afternoon, maybe even before we get done, so I hope everybody's got their uh, umbrella. Let's see here, got somebody to highlight. Um, this is uh, Vicki Embry. She's in Jackson, Mississippi. She says, I've been happily married to my husband, Benji, for eight years in July. We have a gorgeous baby girl who will be four in August, and God has graciously blessed us with baby number two who will join us in early December. I belong to a wonderful home church, but consider myself as a quasi-member of the Superior Word and pray for you all continuously. May God richly bless you. And uh, she says, your pastor, which he's blessed me. I'm, wow, I'm most blessed of all people and uh, the family and uh, your efforts for the kingdom. So we send our love all the way over to Jackson, Mississippi for that one. And we have our first category as always is Israel. And I've entitled this Jerusalem 50 Years On. And uh, the reason why is because this past week, it's 11th today, on June 7th, 1967, Israel recaptured Jerusalem. And uh, that started all kinds of events in the prophetic uh, timeline, all kinds of them. And we're at the 50-year mark. Actually, according to the Bible, it would have been quite some time ago, a 360-day year. But we're going by, you know, just the annual celebration, 7 June 1967. And uh, just, I got some articles based on that today from Aretz Shiva, the Czech Parliament asked their government to recognize Jerusalem. In honor of the 50th anniversary of Jerusalem's reunification, the Czech Parliament's lower chamber, the Czech Chamber of Deputies, has called on its government to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital and to stop paying membership fees to UNESCO until the organization stops its anti-Israel bias. Now, I wouldn't have known this about the Czech Republic, but I'm glad to read it. In a recent res resolution, the UN organization denied the Jewish connection to Jerusalem, flying in the face of historical evidence and the Bible. The president of the Czech Republic, Milos Zeman, also sent a special message to the participants at an event hosted by the Israeli embassy in honor of Jerusalem Day at the Prague Castle. 
Good stuff. From Israel Hayom, <clears throat> Pacific Island Nation Vanuatu recognizes Jerusalem as Israel's capital. This is the place I've always wanted to go to. I was uh, desiring to be a Bible translator, and this is where I wanted to go translate the Bible, and um, that didn't work out. My wife wanted to stay in Sarasota, Florida, so that's where we are. And uh, But anyway, uh, Vanuatu, they had that terrible um, uh, uh, disaster a couple of years ago, and Israel was one of the first nations to go in, and they stayed there through the entire rebuilding process. So um, it says the small Pacific nation, uh, island nation of Vanuatu has recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The decision from UNESCO's passing of a pro-Fakistinian resolution in October 2016 that denied Jewish ties to the Temple Mount, Vanuatu's President Lonsdale, an evangelical Christian who has strong connection to the Jewish people and to Israel, recently made a similar move. During a meeting with Vanuatu's Honorary Council to Israel, the issue of the UNESCO vote uh, came up. Lonsdale said in the meeting he had been sorry to hear how the vote unfolded and his country's lack of opposition to it. Lonsdale later signed a document stating that Jerusalem should be recognized as Israel's capital and condemning the UNESCO resolution. He also asked to explore with the Prime Minister's office the possibility of visiting Israel which would be the first by a president of Vanuatu. More good stuff. From the Jerusalem Post, something that, hey, I didn't see this on any of the major, I'm not saying it wasn't there, but I didn't see it personally. Uh, the U.S. Congress passes a resolution marking Jerusalem unification, marking 50 years since the outbreak of the Six-Day War. The U.S. Senate passed a resolution celebrating Jerusalem as Israel's undivided capital and calling on the Trump admin to move the embassy there. The non-binding Senate measure was introduced by Minority Leader Schumer. It's probably the only good thing he's ever done. The chamber's top-ranking demon rat and uh, passed with overwhelming bipartisan support with a final vote of 90 to 0. In passing the resolution, the Senate reaffirmed its support for the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995. Now Trump has got full, full support. It's an act that was passed. He's got all, he's got 90 of the senators behind this and uh, I would hope that he would go ahead and make this move on the next time instead of signing the waiver. And we'll just see where he goes with this. But um, it compels the United States State Department to relocate its embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to the ancient city. President Trump waived that requirement last week, citing national security interests. And like I say, we don't know. That's all we have. For all we know, he is looking for a appropriate building to put the embassy in. And if they don't have it, that would affect national security. We don't know. I'm not going to second-guess the president. As long as he does it in the time frame of his presidency, he will not have violated this uh, promise. And I, I don't think that unless um, something drastic happens, he will fail to fulfill this promise. But we'll see. Um, it says uh, it is very fitting that the Senate pass this resolution 50 years to the day of the start of the Six-Day War. The semi-centennial of the reunification of Jerusalem is an important milestone for Israel and Jewish people across the globe, given that Jerusalem has been a focal point of Jewish life for thousands of years. A real slap in the face of UNESCO once again. And um, from Aretz Shiva, Bible-inspired Zion Oil Company begins drilling in Israel. Now, I've brought this company up several times. This guy that uh, runs Zion Oil and Gas is a Christian, and he, reading the Bible, determined that he could uh, find oil in Israel based on what the Bible itself says. 
and uh, they have been working on identifying locations to drill for years. They have started drilling. That was just uh, this past week, I believe. Zion Oil and Gas, a Texas-based company, has announced that it is Spud the Megiddo Jezreel Number no. One, a deep onshore well located in Israel's Jezreel Valley near Beit She'an. We anticipate drilling through at least four different geologic strata with oil and gas potential. It has been a complicated and difficult multi-year journey to get to this point, but our entire team is very excited to see this project finally come to fruition. The company proudly states that it has been divinely blessed to have merited the privilege of drilling for Israel's political and economic independence. Its website states that it is inspired by Genesis 49, verses 25 and 26, and Deuteronomy 13 through 16. So let me read you those. We're going to go to Genesis, uh, what did I say, 49. This is on the blessing of Jacob to his sons. And in that blessing, he says this, um, verses 25 and 26, By the God of your Father, who will help you, and by the Almighty, who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath blessings of the breasts and of the womb. And so he reading that because it's um, a blessing to the son Joseph, he says, I believe this is a prophecy of oil being in the area which was assigned to Joseph as his inheritance in Israel. And then in Deuteronomy 33, it reads this, it says here, um, 32, 33, 13, it says, and of Joseph, once again, he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. And so he's saying that the things in the deep, and uh, twice it refers to this in the blessing by the Father and then by Moses upon the tribes of Israel. He says, there's oil there. And he's doing this based on faith and what the Bible says. And I have already said that we have uh, a series of sermons I did on the life of Isaac, and he gets to certain wells that there is contention over. And I believe that that is prophetically pointing to a contention over wells which will be found in the land of Israel. And uh, the big one will be found, and it will probably be something that brings, uh, you know, the nations against Israel later. But uh, if you watch that sermon, you'll understand my logic. It's uh, specifically speaking of wells of water, but I would believe that it is prophetically speaking of oil, which will be found in the end times, which will cause the nations to come against Israel. Just speculation. Don't want to get dogmatic on that. Um, let's see here from, uh, did I finish that? I didn't finish it. Um, those passages I just read speak of the physical and geologic blessings given to Joseph, the son of the patriarch Jacob, whose inheritance in the land of Israel lies largely in the Jezreel Valley. The rig has a 3,000 horsepower capacity drawworks capable of drilling to over seven kilometers deep, more than sufficient horsepower and safety factor to drill the planned well with a target depth of approximately 15,000 feet. Israel currently produces only a couple thousand barrels of oil a day, meaning that it relies on the global market for more than 99% of its consumption. I believe that'll be coming to an end soon, but we'll see where it goes. Uh, Christian news today, we have, as I said, uh, we have lots of rain here, and I uh, wanted to make sure that we 
thanked the Lord for that, and uh, we'll continue to uh, look for his hand of blessing as the summer progresses, and we'll start getting into a regular summer pattern. But uh, thank you, Lord, for the rain. And then um, an announcement that we are starting. I uh, did this three months ago. I announced that we were starting the book of Colossians in our daily uh, Bible study, which is posted on the Superior Word website under today. Each day I do an analysis of a single verse, and uh, Colossians is about 90-some verses, and so it took us about three months to get through. And um, I also posted on Facebook for anybody that wants to go to uh, Facebook and read it there. But uh, that is ending this week, and on um, 15 June, we are going to start 1 Thessalonians, which is a book that has a lot of uh, prophetic uh, notions in it, the rapture, etc., and that is going to be starting, as I said, on 15 June. It's 89 verses long, and so we'll be done in three months. If you want to know your Bible, if you want to know it well, go to Superior Word website every single day, read the uh, Today column. And uh, just hover over that, and it'll pull up the, uh, the devotional for the day, and you will learn the book of 1 Thessalonians. And um, for those that attend our Thursday night Bible study, um, the live streaming did not work. Apparently, during the uh, large storms that we had, the server went down, and when the server went down, it did not um, go—people uh, couldn't watch live streaming— but we did save it. I recorded it, and so you can go and watch that online. So if you missed Thursday night Bible study, just go to YouTube, and it'll pull right up, okay? Uh, I want you to uh, keep abreast of what's going on, and it was a really fun study. We talked about dispensationalism and a few other important issues out of the Book of Romans. And um, let's see here. I want to thank personally Sergio, um, who took the time Saturday morning, yesterday morning, to, he spent two hours from Israel with me in here, and he reworked the entire server. He had to rebuild everything through the Internet, and uh, he got it running. And hopefully, I don't know, but I'm assuming that we're live streaming right now. And uh, I so much appreciate his efforts. So thank you, Sergio, for that, and Rhoda for being a patient wife. Um, let's see here. So uh, from Christian News today, Dope Francis declares saints deceased Fatima children who purportedly saw an apparition of Mary. I don't know if you know what the Fatima mysteries are. There's um, some visions they supposedly saw of Mary, and she told these things that were going to happen, and these dubious visions that they had that the popes have been saying, well, that's fulfilled here, and that's fulfilled here. Anyway, he's declared two of these people saints. I want you to know that the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus Christ and you are a saved believer, you are a saint. This is nonsense, but I'm going to read it anyway. Dope Francis has uh, sainted two of three Portuguese shepherds who purportedly saw an apparition of Mary a century ago and credited with two miracles following their death. They have to credit miracles to a dead person in order for a person to be sainted, and so they make stuff up that way too. Anyway, um, let's see here. Uh, according to the belief and experience of many pilgrims, if not all, certainly nobody in this church, uh, Fatima is more than anything uh, this mantle of light that protects us here, as in almost no other place on earth, we need but take refuge under the protection of the Virgin Mary. Okay, let's forget about Jesus on that one, right? The canonization took place exactly 100 years to the day that Roman Catholics believed that Mary appeared to three shepherd children, telling them to return to the location on the 13th of each month for the next six months, where she would deliver various messages. Will you take us to heaven, Lucia asked? Yes, I shall take Jacinta and Francisco soon, but you will remain a little longer since Jesus wishes you to make me known and loved on earth. So it's taking your eyes off Jesus and putting it on Mary, completely contrary to Scripture. He wishes you also uh, for you to establish devotion in the world to my immaculate 
heart. So that's the kind of thing that goes on in the uh, Catholic Church. It's completely unbiblical. It's unscriptural. It's anti-God, okay, anti-Christ. So I want you to be aware of that. From the Christian Post, Church of England to vote on offering baptism for transgender people to mark new identity. So you get baptized in Christ as a male, and now you've changed. They want to have you baptized as a female for your new identity. The uh, vote has been scheduled for July after a motion putting the controversial issue up for vote moved forward. Liberal voices within the church have argued that vicars have had to carry out unofficial services. Now think of that. They're doing it without the permission of the church, probably in violation, not probably, in violation of what the church currently has on its books, to welcome and accommodate transgender Christians. And have, yeah, and have called out the, uh, co- on the community to embrace those who identify as such. Conservatives have strongly opposed the idea, stating that it goes against tradition. We are sensitive to the people who feel uncomfortable with their sex, but Christian teaching is that God made us man and woman. The church should help people to see the beauty of their God-given sex instead of confusing them. I completely agree with this guy, Reverend Chris Newlands. The vicar of Lancaster Priory, oh, no, I'm sorry, it ended, and there's a period. Now this new guy, Newlands, I don't agree with, the vicar of Lancaster Priory proposed the motion calling on the House of Bishops to consider whether some nationally commended liturgical materials might be prepared to mark a person's gender transition. So they're asking for the whole nation to join in in preparing gender transition uh, uh, liturgical materials. Newlands, no surprise here, who is in a civil union with another man, they should expel him from the church. Instead, they're allowing him to bring up a vote, uh, said it is an absolute trauma to get through sex change surgery and face what he described as transphobic bullying. Uh, just amazing where they're heading in the Church of England today. And probably this is going to be passed. We'll see. It's another month away, but in July, we'll keep an eye on it. And from the mirror, hey, you think uh, England is falling by the wayside? How about Germany? Robot preacher can beam light from its hands and give automated blessings to worshipers. Yeah. 500 years after Luther published the 95 Theses in Wittenberg, kicking off the Reformation, an evangelical church launched a unique automated blessing robot for the special celebrations in the historic town located in the German state of Saxony, Anhalt. So we've got uh, Luther making his move, and now we've got somebody, a robot, making his Uh, The robot on show in the old town of Wittenberg is called Bless You Too and was developed by the Evangelical Church in Hesse and Nassau. It consists of a metal box with a touchscreen, two arms on the side, a head with eyes and a digital mouth at the top. After the robot wishes users a warm welcome, it asks them if they want to be blessed by a male or female voice. Yeah, it then asks the believer, what blessing do you want? which results in the robot making a mechanical sound and raises its arms to heavens and starts to smile. Lights then start to flash in the robot's arms as it says, God bless you and protect you and recites a biblical verse. So my, my comment on that is warning, warning, danger. I got to tell you, don't, don't get into that kind of stuff. Um, from CNS, Gallup, only 24% of Americans believe, how sad, The Bible is the literal word of God. That's the most recent Gallup survey on that issue, 24%. All right? And that means you are in the very, very great minority sitting in this church right now. It breaks my heart. From CNS uh, Top Stories, one in the spirit 
Catholics, Pentecostals celebrate Pentecost with the dope. Okay, and from, uh, in other words, one world religion coming together. One world, you know, everybody's just, we're going to go under the umbrella of Catholicism and we're going to give up what we should be holding with the Bible. And from RNS, which is uh, Religious News Services, a saint's brain is stolen and Catholics pray for its return. Yeah, police set up roadblocks in uh, northern Italy after a thief posing as a pilgrim stole tiny fragments of the brain of John Bosco, one of the country's most revered saints. So my thought on that one is uh, the last verse of the book of 1 John says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Probably a good thing to do. Don't worry about saints' brains, okay? From Islam today, this is entitled Suicide by Vote. From the Telegraph, number of UK Muslims exceeds 3 million for the first time. More than half born outside of the United Kingdom. That means they've imported 1.5 million Muslims in order to get these numbers. The number has doubled in just over a decade as a result of soaring immigration and high birth rates. In some parts of London, almost half of the population are now Muslims. And if current trends continue, the areas could become majority Islamic within 10 years. One in four are under 10 years old, indicating a high birth rate within the community. According to these figures, Muslims now make up one in every 20 people in the country. One in 20. This is uh, I'm just, it's a very, yeah, it is suicide. And it's also jihad. It's population jihad. Um, Breitbart, UK world's asset attack capital. The United Kingdom is the world's asset attack capital. Assaults are up 74%. In one year. Imagine that. The UK now has the highest number of reported acid attacks per person with 1,800 assaults using corrosive liquids since 2010 in London alone. 1,800, uh, yeah, 1,800 assaults in London alone. Imagine that. From uh, Mail Online, CNN is caught up in fake news allegations, which is the, the standard, but this is just a disgraceful one. Uh, allegations after being accused of setting up a Muslim counter-terror protest in London. We had the bombings, and then they set up a counter-terror protest by Muslims. They actually set it up, and then they said this is news, and they were caught doing this. Well, this morning, another article came out on the same issue where they were actually having Muslims come in with flowers and stuff and make it look like they were mourning when they were over there taking selfies by themselves. And, you know, it, it was it, the entire CNN, nobody should ever watch CNN for any reason ever because even the stuff that could make sense is probably going through some type of a filter which is, is intended to, you know, warp your brain or I don't know, something. I, I, I just would never watch CNN. Total fake news. Um, let's see here. Industrial, this is from Weasel Zippers, Industrial Strength Stupid, CNN's Sally Cohn wants to fight Islamic terrorism with tolerance and political correctness. What? Yeah, political correctness is, this is her quote, political correctness is a simple idea. Everyone should be treated with equal dignity and respect. It's not a cause of terrorism, it's the antidote. Now, my friend sent me that article and I said, you wouldn't believe it, but I've probably got 20 articles with that same type of sentiment you know, professors saying that we need to invite more Muslims in and we need to shower them with love and they will stop blowing us up. And I've got dozens and dozens of articles, but I thought I'd include that one because she's CNN. She's saying this for the whole world to see. These people are insane. Um, Daily Caller, MSNBC anchor wonders if Trump 
trying to provoke a terror attack. This is right after the terror attacks and he slammed England. And this is there's a purpose behind them doing this. Uh, to MSNBC anchor uh, Thomas Roberts, he theorized that President Trump is trying to provoke a terrorist attack on U.S. soil in order to prove himself right about Islamic terrorism. Roberts pointed to Trump's tweets in the wake of a terrorist attack that left at least seven dead in London. Trump wrote that we must stop being politically correct and get down to the business of security for our people. Good job, Trump. He also criticized London's mayor, who said that there was no reason to be alarmed. The whole world came against him when he made that tweet, and yet he's absolutely right. The mayor comes out and he says there's no reason to be alarmed when you've got British citizens laying dead in the streets, and Trump slammed him for it, which he should have done. So let's not be politically correct about this. This is MSNBC again. Is he trying to provoke a domestic terror attack with this Twitter rant because um, it will only prove himself right? Roberts asked during an interview. This is preemptive blame. That's what he's doing. He is waiting. They know we're going to get attacked again. And by saying this in advance, he's going to be able to now blame our president for something which has nothing to do with our president. It has to do with stupid liberal policies. But they are, they are trying to be preemptive in their attacks against our president. It's really disgraceful. From Fox News, London terror attack, British officials eye burqa ban and stripping citizenship. Well, the, the burqa ban will probably never happen. But the second one is ought to be so obvious you get somebody that is committing terrorism, you strip their citizenship. Why wouldn't that even just be done? I don't understand why they would even debate this. Behold, uh, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Bahrain. You've heard about this, and I want to just tell you about it. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates sever ties with Qatar over terrorism. I don't know if you heard that, but the idea is that it's terrorism. They sent a bunch of money to Iran to free somebody, and that's being used for terrorist purposes. I think that's probably a red herring to divert the attention away. I'm going to give you two titles, which I hope that you will take the time to read. I'm not, they're very long articles. The first one is from Zero Hedge. Forget terrorism. The real reason be behind the Qatar crisis is natural gas. And they have a, a ton of natural gas in Qatar. They don't have oil. But very good article. Read that article. It explains a lot. And from SCMP, why Qatar matters to China in spite of Gulf isolation. Let me read that again. Why Qatar matters to China in spite of Gulf isolation. Both very good articles which will help you identify what's going on and who some of the alliances are. China's involved, Russia's involved, Iran is involved. It's, it's a big world going on out there. But all of this is leading down the path to Gog-Magog battle. All of it. All right. From Mongolia this week, from Xinhua Net. Mongolia's first university satellite flies into space from the United States. The rocket we sent up this past week, the first university satellite of Mongolia, which is named after the Mongolian endangered Gobi Bear, which is Maza'alai, was sent off into space in the U.S. on Sunday. Last Sunday, while we were here doing a prophecy update, up it went. The launch took place from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The Mongolian CubeSat is a component of the BIRDS-1 satellites, which also include four other CubeSats belonging to Japan, Nigeria, Ghana, and Bangladesh. The Mongolian CubeSat is designed, built, and owned by a team of young scholars at the National University of Mongolia in collaboration with young scholars and students from participating countries. It is the first university satellite to be launched in Mongolia. Good job, kids. All right, Daniel 12 Technology. Um, 
I give you something technologically advanced every week so that you know where the world is going. And I just want to make a comment is that um, sometimes old tech or an old guy can actually outdo the technology of the day. And the reason why I'm telling you this is I'm sitting here with I've got a real bad pain in my back right here. And it's because um, I had uh, at my house, I've got a, I built an outdoor shower about 23 years ago. Okay, and it's just rotted. The wood is all bad and it needs to be replaced and I just don't have the time to do this or the inclination. And so um, I have a friend of mine, the guy that actually built this church, one of the guys that works for him, who's a giant Mexican guy. He's very, very big. He um, uh, has come out and he's building this shower for me yesterday. And I told him I want it in the same place and there's a reason why, but he started taking it out and yes, the posts are set in concrete. And he and the guy that were with him spent about 40 minutes trying to dig those posts out, and they couldn't do it. And finally, I get up, and they said, Mr. Garrett, we can't get the uh, concrete out. Can we just move it over four inches? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want it where it's at. And uh, I said, let me show you how to do it. So I walked out there, and eight minutes later, I had all four posts out by myself. So uh, they did help cutting some roots around them and all that. But uh, they uh, sometimes old tech works. But I did tell them after I was done, I was breathing a little heavily, and I said, you know what? I feel 54 again. And I said, that's bad because I'm only 52. <laughs> there you go. So old tech, old tech. Now it's on the new tech from Mail Online. Russia successfully tests unstoppable 4,600-mile-per-hour hypersonic weapon that is faster than any global anti-missile system. In other words, we've got anti-missile systems that can take nukes at it when they're coming at us. We no longer can. They have tested successfully a hypersonic weapon. So uh, we saw in previous updates that he is getting tanks with nukes ready. He's got, if we trust that colonel that uh, was speaking to the American, I think it was a university he was talking to, he's got nukes off of the coast that he can detonate to cause tidal waves. You know, it, Russia is not our friend, and now they have a hypersonic weapon, which China is also working on one right now. Uh, let me read you this. Russia has launched five successful flights of the hypersonic jet. The weapon cannot be stopped by the Navy's current defenses. Experts say uh, Zircon could render Navy's new $7.9 billion aircraft carriers useless. Missile is being tested and could be fitted to Russian cruisers by 2018. That's one year away, kids. From Bloomberg, it's a scary world we're living in. Thank God for Jesus and the, the hope of the rapture. That's all I can say. Excuse me there. From Bloomberg, JetBlue, this isn't a really interesting article except one of the quotes that is given in here. Listen to it. And then just think of, think of the Bible here. Um, JetBlue and Delta will, let me read you the title first. JetBlue and Delta test biometric scanning to replace boarding passes. Okay? JetBlue and Delta will test facial and fingerprint recognition technology at two U.S. airports to replace boarding passes, building on industry efforts to increase security and ease passage through airports. Now, what is the, uh, the uh, mark of the beast? Okay, you got your right hand or your forehead. Your forehead goes up to something and it scans it. That's what John would be seeing. Okay, right hand, forehead. Now, think of this. Uh, the JetBlue program will start on flights from Boston to Aruba's Queen Beatrix International Airport. It will match passenger photos to their passport or visa photos. Delta has been trying to fingerprint identification in Washington that may eventually replace boarding passes. Now, here's the quote. Listen to this. We're rapidly moving forward toward a day when your fingerprint, iris, or face will become the only ID you'll need 
for any number of transactions throughout a given day. Exactly what the Bible said. Nobody will be able to buy or sell anything unless they have the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? It's being in a, a uh, global cataloging of every person with an identification of them, agreeing to the terms of that, which is the mark of the beast. And it's almost a quote. I mean, if you think of this guy is saying something that the Bible is, is saying is coming, then it, the way he said it, it, it's almost like reading the Bible. Um, Gil West, Delta Chief Operating Officer, said, Clear um, is expanding at major U.S. airports with lanes using fingerprints or iris scans to check members' identities. Okay, and Revelation 13, 16 says, went too far, Charlie. Um, now I went too far the other way. Let's see here, Revelation 13, 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or, or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. All right, there you go. Right out of the Bible, and it's coming in our lifetime. So uh, going to Revelation plagues here. Reuters, death toll in Yemen cholera outbreak hits nearly 700. 700 people have died. A cholera epidemic in Yemen has killed at least 681 people, and the outbreak has yet to peak. According to WHO figures showing an increase in the death toll of nearly 50% since its last update on May 27th. Things are just, they're, they're going almost geometrically bad over there. World Health Organization figures taken between April 27th and June 4 show 86,422 suspected cholera cases were recorded in 19 of Yemen's 23 governance. I saw an article yesterday, it's up to 100,000 now. Although the World Health Organization said the increase was partly due to better completeness of reporting. The epidemic began in October, spread until December, and then dwindled but was never brought fully under control. In April, a new surge in cases has begun. Yemen has been hit hard by civil war with 19 million of its 28 million people needing humanitarian aid and many of them on the verge of famine. Bad, bad stuff. And when the ball drops and we're out of here, the world is going to, the whole world's going to be like this. Terrible. Sidrap, uh, the Aedes aegypti mosquitoes can transmit both Zika and chikungunya in one bite. Yeah. Uh, Dutch scientists infected the insects with both viruses to determine transmission rates using an experimental blood meal that found that 73% of the mosquitoes transmitted Zika, 21% chikungunya, and 12% transmitted both viruses in one bite. This is the first study to show that just as in humans, the viruses can commonly co-infect mosquitoes. In other Zika news, a vaccine presented at the American Society of Microbiology uh, microbe 2017 meeting that wrapped up today, which is a couple days ago, showed 100% protection from the virus in mouse models. So they may have taken care of Zika in mice. They can't get it anymore, but we'll see how it works in people. The vaccine is the first to be based on the NS1 protein and the first to show single-dose protection against Zika. We'll see where that goes. From morality today... This is just one one stream of bad news here. Um, uh, last week, I said that they were uh, talking about having three gender options on uh, IDs in California. Hey, they rushed it right through. California Senate passes bill allowing third gender option on IDs, right? Um, let's see here from Knoxville News Sentinel. Knox County judge grants woman rights of husband in Tennessee's first same-sex divorce. 
So a woman that had nothing to do with the birth of that child is now given the rights of a husband because she was married to another woman. This is how screwed up our nation is here. And that's right in Knoxville, Tennessee. Imagine that. Um, CTV News. Canada Post unveils stamp celebrating same-sex marriage rights in the country. Okay, yeah, the agency unveiled the stamp in Toronto at a local center that serves as a hub for the city's LGBTQ LMNOP community. The uh, maple leaf-shaped stamp shows an image of a rainbow flag and the words marriage equality in both French and English. Yeah, Breitbart, Gloria Steinem, she said, forced childbirth, the fundamental cause of climate change. Yes, lack of uh, ready access to abortion is the primary cause of global warming, according to Steinem. From the HuffPo, abortion, like contraception, is essential health care that saves lives. That's the now president said that in order to save lives, you have to have abortion. Imagine that. I don't know where the logic from that comes from, but weasel zippers. Um, hot new trend. People marrying themselves call it sologamy. Yeah. If the secret to a happy marriage is finding the right person, we can all stop looking. At least, according to sologamists, self-marriage or sologamy is growing, partly because it's popping up in pop culture, like when an episode of Sex and the City floated the idea. So who are you going to argue with, right? I'm, all right, and this, one, this one is truly the Twilight Zone. Listen to this, The Daily Wire. I, I, I've read a lot of bizarre stuff in the morality section, but this may be it. Um, peer-reviewed paper discusses PhD students' hippopotamus identity. Yeah, a peer-reviewed paper penned by a self-described female to male transgender dyke and transspecies PhD student from France explores the author's hippopotamus identity in relationship to transgenderism. Within the paper titled Ego Hippo, the subject as metaphor, Florentine Felix Morin discusses her preference for being trans species, which she views as an act of resistance to transgender norms and expectations. This article explores the formation of a tranimal. You're going from human to animal, a tranimal, hippopotamus alter ego. Confronting transgender with trans species, the author claims that his, because it's a girl, it's a he now, hippopotamus identity allowed him to verbally escape all at once several sets of categorization that govern human bodies, gender, sexuality, age, reads the paper's abstract. I would say that's the peanut head of the month, and we'll see if she qualifies he, it, for the entire year. I mean, that's just bizarre. Um, other category today. Very interesting article. I've been saving it. It comes from, all of these come from uh, the past month or two, but I've been compiling them so you have a, a brush stroke of what's going on in the world of, uh, uh, you know, digital money. The first one is from Zero Hedge. This one trade changed 400 years of history in just four hours. On a cold and rainy October day in 1971, Ray Tomlinson sent the first email ever. Now think of that. 1971, we sent our very first email. At the time, he didn't think much of it. Nobody told him to do it. He just thought it was neat. It took two years before people realized just how powerful Tomlinson's invention was. By then, email had gone from virtually none to 75% of all ARPANET traffic. 
Today, 2.5 billion people send 2.5 million emails per second on ARPANET's successor, which is the Internet. On September 7, 2016, just a few months ago, Barclays facilitated a $100,000 trade of cheese and butter between Irish food company Ornua and the Seychelles Trading Company. This small trade will be just as revolutionary as the first email sent. When two companies in different countries want to buy and sell from each other, they use a bank to guarantee the transaction. It's called trade finance. For more than 400 years, trade finance has not changed much. Banks act as intermediaries between trading partners. They use letters of credit to guarantee that everyone gets paid. Part of the due diligence process has always involved collecting a mass of paperwork. Even in today's digital age, it takes 10 days on average just to handle the paperwork. Sometimes it can take up to a month. But all of that changed on September 7th. That trade for butter and cheese was concluded in less than four hours. That's a huge time saver that will significantly reduce the price of international trade. British banking giant Barclays used a new technology called blockchain, which I mentioned about September, to transact the trade. The blockchain is a digital ledger that is tamper-proof. No single party has the power to change the records. Instead of sitting in a central location, the ledger lives on in thousands of computers that automatically update. The blockchain has also built in electronic record-keeping and transaction system. Both trade parties are able to track all documentation via, via a single network. That means no third-party verification is required. You're getting the banks out of the picture, in other words. The first-ever trade deal done exclusively on the blockchain is just as big as Ray Tomlinson's first email. It's a whole new way for business to get done. In a few short years, most international trade will be conducted through blockchain, just like most of the world's communication is done via email. But the blockchain won't only um, change trade. Think about real estate. Real estate transactions have been done basically the same way since the Middle Ages. It's a cumbersome, paperwork-heavy process. It takes months. In a few hours, the blockchain will allow you to qualify for a loan, conduct a title search, and close on a house in a single day. It's not that far off. It's not every day you get to see a life-changing trend happen right before your eyes. In a few short years, the word blockchain will be as commonplace as email, and it all will spawn entire new industries. It will spawn exactly what we were referring to a little while ago, and it is coming soon to a tribulation period near you. I assure you of that. From Zero Hedge, as Bitcoin surges to record high, China prepares its own digital currency. Tech Times, FedCoin, a possible government-backed cryptocurrency. Forbes, the startup that wants to build a cashless economy in the Philippines, okay, even the Philippines. From the financial ING survey, a cashless society is coming. From Reuters, cashless society getting closer, survey finds. More than one-third of Europeans and Americans would be happy to go without cash and rely on electronic payment if they could. People are not thinking clearly. Financial Review. Platinum says China will be cashless before the West. Bloomberg. In cashless Sweden, even God now takes collection via an app. You just go into your church and you swip through your thing and uh, it sends the money digitally to your church. Okay? From Vocative. The cashless future will be a surveillance nightmare. At least these people know this. They know what's coming. Money will be tied to its identity. Its roots traced and monitored. It'll be a surveillance 
dystopia, but not of the clumsy, grubby, Phil Dickian variety. It'll be an ultra-functional, shiny, and minimalist nightmare, the kind where you're not supposed to care how it works as long as it works for you, kind of like an iPhone. It's coming, and it's coming very quickly, and every transaction on Earth is going to go through a digital database, and they will be able to tell every single thing that you buy and sell, and without that mark, you will not be able to do that. It is coming so quickly. Wow. And speaking of going cashless, a completely different concept of cashless, I've talked about this a couple other updates. I want to talk about it again. From Zero Hedge, a quarter of American adults can't pay all their monthly bills. 44% have less than $400 in cash. And I know that people have financial troubles. This is not in any way intended to say that you're not doing right if you are having financial troubles or if you're broke or anything like that. If you have money, if you have a job and you can save, do it. Don't spend everything you have because tomorrow is coming and the next day and the next day and the next day. And you need to be prepared until we're out of here because this is an unsympathetic world. Your credit will be ruined. And I've told you in the past, take all of your loans, if you have them, consolidate them into one loan at the bank, and you will have one loan payment at a very low interest rate instead of many loan payments, and all you're doing is paying off debts. Please do that. The Bible says to owe no one except the debt of love. And that's one thing we all need to do is love each other. And we'll do that in about five minutes when we uh, turn off the uh, the uh, streaming and we all come and hug each other. But Anyway, we want to owe nobody and try to do that. If you can't, I understand. This is not to pick on any person that's having financial trouble, but it is very important that we are able as Christians to pay our bills and never get ourselves in debt if it is possible. It's very important. All right, and pray for your friends that are struggling because everybody gets to that point at some point in life and they need to be able to have people rely on them for prayer and for help, okay? We are Christians. We're to unite together, helping each other. Uh, let's see here. I got a less Rick here for you. Now the people can choose their own kind. Doesn't matter what God had in mind. Whether four legs or two, it's your choice what to do. To what potties are hippos consigned? And uh, the answer is hippo potties. So uh, before we get to our irony of the week, I want to remind you Sergio and Rhoda will have on the live streaming their video this week. And at the end of the uh, YouTube video, we'll have a box that you can click on to watch that. This week, I want you to know, they really go out of their way to do these for you. They got in their car and they drove all the way from Nazareth to go up to Tel Dan, okay? They're doing this for you and they're doing it and they're making these things most enjoyable. But what happened this week is they actually blew their radiator hose and they were pulled off on the side of the road. They uh, uh, had a, a real adventure. And Sergio was so disappointed. He was so disheartened. He says, I want these people to enjoy Israel. He's doing this from his heart for you guys. And um, he, he sent it to me this morning. I was the first person to see it. And um, he, uh, he said, I'm so sorry. It's the worst video ever. And I watched it, and it is his best It is his best. You are going to love it. If you just take it in the perspective that they were going to Dan for you, but instead they went through a great deal of sequence of events just to bring you pleasure. Think of that. Thank you, Sergio and Rhoda. Our irony of the week from Mail Online. What dummies? Police smashed their way into a car to rescue a frozen woman who turned out to be a medical mannequin strapped into a passenger seat. Yeah. There you go. So such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, 
Batar, Mongolia, and Jackson, Mississippi. I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.